Money is a logical necessity, but this does not mean it is a real thing. Money is a logical concept. People look at a credit card, a printed number on a bank statement, or some banknotes in their hand, and they think they see money. This is not money, it is currency. There is nothing we can point to, hold, or feel, or see that is money. What you have, or what you can see, is currency. And there is actually a difference between money and currency. To say currency is money is like saying time is a clock or length is a ruler. We do not go to the store and buy units of length to measure a box, nor does anyone purchase kilometers so he or she can go on a journey, but otherwise rational persons go into a specialized store, i.e. a bank, to buy units of value called currency so as to buy goods and services. The use of currency is a form of barter in which we use a digitalized intermediary product, currency, to make indirect exchanges possible. What would you think if you were unable to do your schoolwork or a job because you did not have enough currency to buy the units of measure needed to do your schoolwork or work? Would you think it rational if the poor were not able to travel because they could not get enough miles to get them to where they wanted to go? But of course this is close to what reality is. We cannot travel without the money to purchase bus fare or gas or to pay for some other form of transportation. This only begs the question, how sane is it for a community to prevent someone from going to work because he or she lacks the ability to pay the cost of getting to work where he or she could earn an income. Charity tends to reject conventional thinking. The level of charity we have is a barometer of to what degree we think the conventional system is barbaric and inhuman. We would not give money to feed the hungry, clothe the naked and house the homeless if we thought poverty was just or deserving. If we think it is rational to, to require everyone acquire vouchers before they can feed their families, why would we think those who cannot acquire those vouchers to get food deserve some of ours? Has not the free market spoken? The free market does not say those who do not work do not eat. It says those who cannot acquire sufficient currency will not eat. There is confusion about money and currency that is more easily discussed if we separate the two concepts from each other. Currency is an asset used as a medium of exchange. Gold is the preeminent currency. It is a perfect asset desired by all and a perfect currency in that it is infinitely divisible into amounts that can represent any value. As the perfect currency, it harbors all of the problems inherited by currency generally. All assets are property, and all property is owned by someone called a property owner. If gold is the currency, gold is in demand as currency. This increases its natural or inherent value. This makes the property owner who owns gold the possessor of an asset that has the tendency to increase in value relative to other commodities. If we decide to discontinue the use of gold as a medium of exchange and use a paper currency, the value of gold declines. 
but people will pay more for paper notes inflating the value a ham as a barter item is worth less than a ham sold for fiat back paper if we're using fiat back paper as a currency or medium of exchange. If the use of paper is discontinued and gold becomes a circulating medium, those with gold will find this asset has gained value. How is this fair? Why ought political decisions on what form of asset we are to use as currency favor one group of persons over others? However, that is the problem. Those with the most access to the asset used as the medium of exchange profit the most from its use. A person who has gold is served best by hoarding it. The longer he hoards it, the higher the price of gold will go. The faster the price climbs, the greater will be the tendency to take gold out of circulation, depriving the economy of a circulating medium of exchange. The use of gold and to a lesser extent other assets as a medium of exchange is to some degree self-defeating because the value of the asset as a raw material and as a medium of exchange are in conflict. We need to use the currency to buy things, but to use it as a currency causes us to lose potential returns of our investment that we would have got by hoarding it. It pays the owner of gold to hoard gold, even if the hoarding causes hardship in the economy. Indeed, the more hardship hoarding gold causes to the economy, the more the value of gold will increase, leading to more sustained hoarding. The same goes for paper money, though to a lesser extent. Banks will loan money when needed. To such a degree, people are willing to pay interest to obtain it. If no one wants paper currencies, banks will not likely issue it, especially if they have to offer a negative interest rate to increase demand or usage. Money, on the other hand, ought to be reviewed as a unit of value akin to inches, miles, kilos, and so on. As such, it is nothing more than a conceptual tool. We do not buy miles to go on a trip, and we ought not to have to buy value units to be able to shop. As long as currency is an asset owned by someone, then it is unreasonable to expect the owner to give up his assets without compensation. Using a currency is no different from using any other product. It has been decimalized and formatted for convenience, and so is a product or commodity given added value by the work done on it. And so, if you wish to make use of this currency, this use must be paid for. If I make a tool and you have a thing I want, it is natural for us to trade. If we fast forward into the future, however, and I need a house painted and you need your garden planted, why cannot we help one another without the use of someone else's product, that is, the use of currency? But we do not exchange our products or services without the use of currency, and we feel we cannot. This reliance on currency is the paradox of civilization. You have a house that needs painting. Jill has a garden that needs planting. And Fred has a washroom that needs upgrading. Why do these jobs remain undone? 
because you, Fred, and Jill are all short of cash, and Jim, the banker, does not wish to give any of you credit or access to his currency. What law tells us we must have access to currency to have work done? If we each did what the other needed doing, we would have each helped some other person. By helping others, we have created wealth for the economy and added value to the lives of all. All we did was do what needed doing, and by this process we also got done what we wanted to have done. The existence or absence of money is technically irrelevant to the doing of what needs doing. The economy is nothing but barter at heart. Money is a way to facilitate and make feasible indirect trades between people who have things they need and things they are willing to supply when these things are not of equal value. Why is no one able to exchange goods and services unless the financial sector is willing to issue the currency that would enable each of us to be a buyer? By doing this, it also makes each one of us a supplier. By making your neighbor a buyer, you become a supplier. And by making you a buyer, your neighbor becomes a supplier, as we all buy and sell to each other. Why is the exchange of goods and services prevented by the inactivity of banks who are in a position to hold the economy hostage? Why is my ability to be a supplier prevented because my buyer has no standing with the banks, and vice versa? I cannot buy from my supplier because I do not have access to the currency provided by the financial sector. How does this help the economy? The financial sector produces nothing but permission slips that give access to assets as if the financial sector owned all of reality and existed to monitor and control access to the resources of the world. The cost of granting access is a share of anything created by the borrower. The productive sector is in the position of being held hostage by the financial sector we must pay a levy if we wish to have access to the world's resources. As said, it is not that if you do not work you do not eat. The financial sector makes it a rule that if we do not share what we produce with the financial sector, we will not be permitted to work or eat or add value to the economy. When a culture uses assets as a form of currency, it is using something with value to measure value. This is us rationals using bubblegum to measure the length of something. Money is nothing more than a unit of value or a tool to measure value. As was discussed when we thought about gold, using gold as both a medium of exchange and a product increases its value as a product to such an extent that it becomes useless as a medium of exchange. No one wants to spend it. Paper is a slightly better form of currency, but it is not plain paper that is being used. It is printed banknotes and now digital currencies. These are still assets because they are owned products used as currency. Currency is always owned and therefore always has a cost attached to its use. This cost translates into a loss of property for the user of the currency. 
digital currency offered by banks requires interest payments. This interest can only be liquidated by a transfer of real property. The bank issues digital currency both to borrowers and employees. Digital currency gives the bearer a claim to the real assets produced by the economy. Debt is not paid off as often that is just transferred. I borrow 10000 and buy a car. I get the car and Fred gets the debt. I could sell the car and pay off the debt. Fred still has the currency. However, Jill, who purchased the car, does not have her currency, but she has the car. The only way this debt can be liquidated is by Jill selling her car to Fred to pay off her debt with the proceeds. This leaves the interest, and the only way this can be liquidated is by someone giving real assets to the bank or its employees, so as to pay the bank its interest, paying off the debt requires a transfer of real wealth, real goods and services, to the bank. Jane, knitting a scarf, produces real wealth. Fred, building a birdhouse, produces real wealth. Real wealth always consists of adding value to existing assets. Real wealth forms the basis of the labor theory of value. The real wealth Jane and Fred creates is the labor they added to the wool and wood out of which their products were created. Fred wants a scarf and Jane wants a birdhouse. However, neither has any money. Jill needs to go to John the banker or Alice the baker to either add work to the assets of Alice or add value to the digital accounts of John. This is the only way they can buy or borrow currency. If she works for Alice, she adds real value to the economy. If she goes to John to borrow currency, she adds no real value to the economy because she does no work. Only work can add real value. Only real work adds real value to real assets. Adding nominal value to nominal assets only adds value to the financial sector and this is an economy composed of traded debt. Debt is the promise of work to be done in the future. John asked Jane to promise to do work at some time in the future so as to provide real wealth in order to liquidate the nominal wealth of the interest portion of the debt. Providing debt is John telling Jill he will buy something of real value from Jill in the future. Jill agrees so she can buy something of real value today rather than waiting until she has produced sufficient real wealth equal to the value of the things she wants to obtain immediately. Debt is nominal wealth that can only be eliminated with a transfer of real wealth or in other words debt permits real wealth to be gained by a scam that appears to give the borrower access to wealth but defers the cost to some point in the future the added expense is the cost of being unable to delay consumption. Debt appears to be a fair exchange in the eyes of the borrower. The borrower gets what they want today at the cost of having to make do with less at some time in the future. Since it seems we would not get what we want until some time in the future, 
the loss of future purchasing power appears to make sense to get what we want now. Anyone who would allow us to own something before we can buy it with cash or buy an equal production of value deserves to be compensated for the risks they have taken. However, this reasoning tends to assume currency is needed to obtain things with value. The initial assumption we make is that things of value will not be given up unless the seller is given the price in currency. This seems reasonable, but it is only reasonable if we assume assets can only be acquired by an exchange of assets, i.e. by some form of barter. In other words, if we assume cars are privately owned assets that can only be exchanged by one private owner giving privately owned assets of equal value to the value of the assets purchased, then currency is a necessary part of doing business. Currency is a vital component of the market only if trust is absent. Risk exists when trust is missing. If we all trusted one another, we would readily give up our possessions to those who asked for them. Giving a person a car one does not need would not be an issue. We would not even consider we might not get what we were owed. This level of trust does not exist, of course, in the present economy. So we turn to insurance and different kinds of surety from buyers. Even as buyers seek insurance and guarantees from sellers before they sell for anything other than cash. The financial markets exist because trust is lacking between buyers and sellers. The rate of interest reflects the risk the financial market is exposed to when they grant a loan. Eliminate risk and threats of loss are also eliminated. To eliminate risk, we must absorb the risk the level of exposure participants have into a common asset. Risk management requires the existence of a holding company representing the interest of the buyer and seller equally. This creates a situation existing in an enterprise that has different departments that then transfers assets from one account of one department to another department with another account. The key features of a holding company is that it contains departments as accounts within the same ledger. If the accounts receivable department wishes to obtain a desk from the sales department, there is no risk the sale will not be honored. There is no risk to the business itself. Both accounts belong to the same economic entity, the same business. All it takes is for units of the account to be debited from the sales account and transferred to the account's receivable account for the transaction to be completed. Imagine if the buyer and seller were no longer independent buyers and sellers but part of the same economic entity. In this example, we call the common identity or common economic entity the Town of Orange. The Town of Orange is a community in which all citizens own shares and each has an account. Fred has no money but he has an account with the town of Orange. Fred needs a car, and Jill has one she no longer needs, so Fred gets the car from Jill. The account of Fred is debited the cost of the car, and Jill's account is credited 
the cost of the car, the units of account in which the transaction is recorded is the means of exchange, the money. No banks are needed, no interest is charged, no risk is experienced by either buyer or seller. John wants to start a business. Members of the town provide relevant assets. Their accounts are credited, the value of the assets they have provided, the venture. The new business account is debited the value of the assets received. Businesses are set up by a simple transfer of assets. No risk, no banks, no interest. And debits are paid off by credits. Businesses do not go broke. If the assets that compose a business can be used better elsewhere, then the assets are transferred to the new venture. So what really is currency but an expression of the mistrust we have for one another? Currency is an asset used as a financial vehicle for people who represent to the owner of the currency a manageable risk. However, as we have noted, if we absorb risk into a commonly owned financial vehicle, then neither buyer or seller represents a risk to the other. Money is a way to track exchanges and consists of nothing more than units of account. Money is created by the creation of value and is represented as a credit in the account of the person who added the value to the asset. If your economy is more complicated than this, you are being scammed. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website at logicalmindsonly.com.